down, buckle up and turn the volume to 11. This is the Auto Action Rev Limiter with Auto Action's Bruce Williams and Paul Gover and your host, Andrew Clark. Hello and welcome to the Auto Action Rev Limiter. I'm Andrew Clark and shortly I'll be joined by Auto Action's Bruce Williams and Paul Gover as we dig into some of the latest news and believe me, there's plenty of it going around and preview the action this weekend in Adelaide. We'll start Las Vegas. It delivered a bit of everything, as promised, I reckon. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, PG, you were a bit of a doubter. Aside from that first troubled day, do you reckon it delivered? Sadly, I thought it was fantastic. It was a good race. Lots of activity going on. Um, Some of the TV coverage was a bit questionable. I think we had a bit too much of the bloke screaming and shouting um, out of the pit lane, particularly when there was nothing, (laughs) once they realised they had a couple of hours of dead air time. Um, But generally speaking, really good, really good. I was impressed. I thought the bit at the end was horrible when the top three blokes got rammed into the back of the Rolls Royce and clearly did not want to be with each other. Um, And then, and then, inexorably drove them halfway around the circuit with the only, you know, it's a, it, it reminded me so much of supercars trackside commentary with the TV going out, you know, like mm. if you were at the track, how would you know what the hell was going on with that business? But but apart from that, excellent stuff. And Bruce, you must be terribly upset because you're $40 lighter in your pocket after the bets. Mm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's a good loser, isn't he, Abrus? That's why he was so good as a race car driver. He I is one of those you. blokes, just like Van Gisman. I gotta tell you though, you two, you two armchair experts would have been feeling your little sphincters would have been puckering a little nervously at various different times during the weekend. If it hadn't have been for the clogwog serving up that uh serving up the uh Charlie in the first corner and then uh Getting away with blue murder, um, serving serving a penalty during a, a safety car period in the pit stops. What a joke! Um, anyway, Charlie was there. He didn't give up. He dive bombed uh, old snooze from Mexico there on the uh, last corner. I mean, obviously the mirrors were fogged. The mirrors were obviously fogged up on the other Red Bull, and he didn't see him coming. But you got to give that uh, Charlie in the in the. Uh, in the uh, Ferrari A for effort, he did not give up. The race was mm. one of the best races mm. we've had all year. It was entertaining. It was different. There were people carving each other up and running into each other. It was fantastic. Yeah, I think easily the best race of the year, but we'll, um, we'll get to that Formula One race a little bit later because we want to go through some of the news. And, um, well, we kind of ran the story this morning, didn't we, Brucey, at 6 o'clock, and uh, that Tim Edwards was um, going to be appointed to the um, head of motorsport, or what do they call it now? The general manager of motorsport role at supercars. Um, Adrian Burgess, we know, was leaving. We spoke about that last week and moved on from there. Uh, but Timmy from Thomastown, he got the job. Uh, Timmy from Thomastown, that's uh, got to be one of the longest denials of all times. At least we didn't have him running the Melbourne Zoo, as some other people had suggested earlier in the year. But um, we stuck to our guns, didn't we, Andrew and Paul? We said that uh, yeah. back in September that he would be the head of motorsport and take over in that role and suggested that Adrian Burgess would, was gone. We stuck to our guns and absolutely it, uh, it happened. It transpires. And uh, I um, I think it's a great move from supercars. I've had a few people ring me today. It's quite funny, Andrew, Paul. You'll be pleased to know I had a team owner ring me today and suggest to me that I better have a good lawyer. 
And I said to him, I couldn't afford a good lawyer. So what was the issue? He said, oh, you're going to get your ass sued after that story you guys put out last night about, you know, Tim from Thomastown and um, Adrian from Adelaide. Well, he's actually actually not going to Adelaide. Adrian from the Gold Coast um, swapping camps. And I said, no, 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 it's all true. It'll happen. And it did. (laughs) I think it's... I think it's fantastic. The other good thing is there's going to be a cheap caravan going around after a couple of months. Won't have gone very far from Thomastown, will it? I don't know. I'm not I'd sure he walked with him down. I'd be betting that Trudy's probably going to crack the shits and head off on her own. Tim, Timmy might have to land at various different key locations around the continent and spend uh, spend a couple of weeks with Trudy and uh, and the in the van, and then. Um, when they hook up at Lockhart or Lock River or bloody Upper Tumbuck West, he gets in another little plane and jets back to another supercar meeting. But uh, don't worry, Tim will be in the pointy end of the plane in the next week or two when he's jetting over to uh, to uh, the uh, wind tunnel testing and anybody that says he won't be going is kidding themselves. Yeah, it's hard to believe he wouldn't be there. Um, a couple of other changes too. Well, um, Tim Watsford, now the new Chief Operating Officer. What have we Cameron made Price has had his rail changed. Hmm? We moved on from Tim from Thomastown. Well, we've oh, we've been covering it for so long. It's old news for us, Bruce. We don't need to do anything else. <laughs> That's true. And we did leave some breadcrumbs for other from our mates around the country to to pick up. And uh, I noticed that they jumped on the um, they jumped on the uh, team eighteen recruitment of um, potential recruitment because it actually hasn't been made official yet. So we need to be a little bit careful. But uh, we left enough breadcrumbs and, of course, our friends from Queensland jumped on the fact that the podcast on uh, Wednesday morning, we uh, talked about um, Adrian heading off to uh, Charlie. And, um, yeah, no, it's been very been an interesting week or two in the news. But, yeah, Supercars, <laughs> what I was going to say, and you, you're right, you jumped in there, Tim Watsford, Chief Operation Operating Officer. So he's he's right under um, – Right at, uh, he's not. He's only one step from the top job, and um, he's a man that's done a lot of big things with with state governments, and uh, um, pretty well connected. And I think that he's a um, a long term future part of supercars. And I think a lot of these big moves that have been announced in the last twenty four hours, uh, Barclay and his mates at Race, now they've got their feet well and truly under the desk. I think that uh, this is a sort of a bit of a push forward. They're going to get. This is when they start to ramp up and uh, put their stamp of authority on things. Yes, and Cameron Price kind of was the C, kind of like a CEO, but now he's the Chief Financial and Risk Officer. So changes all over the place. So they're obviously, as you say, just fine-tuning their um, their leadership team. Um, the technical team or the motorsport team's got some changes as well, so they're restructuring the way that operates. And my biggest worry about Tim from Thomastown's role is that he's the general manager of motorsport, yet all of the sub-regs talk about the head of motorsport. So they have to go and change all the rules. Uh, look, it's just it's just a it's it's just a your highlight replace highlight replace in a document. I think it's interesting that it's it's about to be announced at the same time they've announced the uh, you know the AFL draft. So does this mean Tim from Thomastown is actually the number one pick? What's, what's interesting is that I have also had a couple of people ring me and say, oh, you know, um, maybe they should have had a look around and put an ad in the local you know, paper in England or the Motorsport World paper or whatever, looking for some staff. And I tend to think that maybe, maybe they could have, you know, put a put a a big net wide look, cast a net looking for somebody. But at the end of the day, this is a role that's got to be acted upon pretty quickly. There's a lot of shit that's been going down over the last 
six, 12 months with Gen 3 and all the stuff with Ford and, and, and GM and what have you. And um, at least with Tim, he, he, he hits the ground running. He knows what needs to be done. And I think if they, if they cast the net, it'd be six months before they got somebody that might be better than Tim in the role. And then it'd be another six months of trying to work out who's lying to them and who's telling the truth. Or they, or they might have spent six months and ended up with Tim anyway. I think the way I look at it, though, is that Tim's got such a great knowledge inside a team. You know, he knows the commercial aspects of what's going on. So when somebody wants to build the G-Wiz component that costs 10000 bucks, you can do it for $2,000 um, and get something that's better. I, I think he's switched on that way, which is what I like about the position. It, uh, you know, he's been fighting Gen 3. He's been looking at the components. He knows you, where the weaknesses are. He can do it. Are you, saying, are you saying he's been having a tough time at Tickford without a budget? How could you say that, Andrew? I think anybody's been everybody's been having a tough time this this year, haven't they? The introduction of Gen Three has been tough financially. It's been tough emotionally, and I think it's probably been tough physically for most people getting themselves through this year. A lot of big changes, and I think it doesn't matter whether you're running at the front of the field or the back of the field. All of those team, all those people in team lands, from the mechanics to the media people to the team owners, to the drivers, the whole lot, supercars, um, everybody needs to take a deep breath and probably pat themselves on the back after Adelaide because it's been a tough year. I mean, those cars that got wheeled out at Newcastle not that many months ago, the start of this year, some of them were still getting bits bolted to them. In fact, there's a couple of cars out there that still don't have components on them that they should have because they're not, they didn't get well- made. Well, the other thing is, Bruce, if you talk to the team owners, most of them don't have two identical cars because the cars were made at different times with different parts and all that stuff. And and I remember back in the day uh, a a bloke that you might know called Crompton when he was driving with um, with Cedo had something go wrong. And I said, why don't you change? And he said, oh, the spare doesn't fit on my car. It only fits on the other car. You know, it, that's the that's where you end up with bits that don't fit between two different cars. The other thing is, if you're trying to do a setup and the cars are not identical, as we found at Triple Eight when uh, when the gears wanted to cha- when they changed the chassis for gears, that's something else that's probably going to get cleaned up at the end of this year. They'll be going back and looking and making sure the cars are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Big heap of housekeeping over Christmas will literally be to make sure that all the little hybrid bits and pieces and the little tweaks and stuff that got done during the year that people cast a bit of an eye over get fixed up. But, um, look, again, it's a new category. Um, They've done a good job. It's the last round of the championship. The racing's been pretty entertaining. There's been some arguments and screaming and yelling and whatever the two best teams have ended up fighting it out. And we have got... You know, we, let's face it, we have got a race to the to the last, you know, going down to the last race. Yep, which is great. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, Adrian Burgess, the Team 18, it's, um, oh, as you say, it hasn't been announced, but it's uh, everybody's it's accepted as a thing. Um, there's a lot of very unhappy people I'm hearing, Bruce. Uh, <clears throat> I think, well, I can tell you that Adrian won't be going to Adelaide. Um, that's a fact. And um, I think it's probably a good thing for Adrian. Um, it's a good thing for the teams. It's a good thing for the sport. At the end of the day, um, you know, he's going to another team. He's he's he has incredible knowledge on all the cars, right down to what spring rates they run at each at each track. I mean, every time 
those cars are scrutineered. They write down, record things like spring rates. They they know everything. They download the data. So you know, I I think Adrian's a pretty um, a pretty a man with a lot of integrity, um, and maybe you know I think this is an overreaction, but certainly uh, he's not going to be around. And and you know I'm I'm excited for Charlie. Charlie's had a hard year. He is um, hasn't had the best when it comes to management, but I happened to pop into the open day down at uh, Team 18 on Sunday. A lot of energy in the place, a lot of a lot of people that are happy. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he oh, I can't say he told me he's excited about this new recruitment. He wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't fess up, but um, everybody's pretty happy. They're looking forward to Davey Reynolds. Um, Davey Reynolds coming along. They actually had a raffle. Uh, first prize was... Uh, was a, a beautiful Kenworth kit bag with lots of goodies and uh, a rear bumper panel and a lap with uh, Frosty. And second prize was two laps with um, Davey Reynolds. So um, there's uh, there's a fair few people looking forward to David arriving at the uh, arriving at the team. Well, the great thing is that um, whenever people get grumpy the way they are, it's good for the lawyers. And um, got to love that with my lawyer clients. So I just need to pick up a couple of them as clients. Um, anyway, that'll do for that part of the deal. Let's um, quickly go through the um, Australian Rally Championship finish up on the weekend, PG. What happened? Well, you won't be surprised to know that one of the Bates has won in a Toyota, but what really? was interesting is it went down to the very – exactly like supercars, it went down to the last super special stage, um, and Harry and Coral Taylor, who's nearly as old as me, doing a great job to win another championship, both of them. Um, Lewis did a good thing. Interestingly – I had a talk with Neil Bates today, and I said, "Who's your Who's your breakout this year? You know, the young bloke we got, young bloke, whatever, Alex Rulo. Remember him, guys? He was the supercar yep. driver, and now he and his father Peter have got into rallying. So that's some good news. Um, there's also uh, a lot of talk around that Hayden Padden, who you may know, the New Zealand bloke who uh, was able to beat SVG uh, in the World Rally Championship, uh, the superstar of the Asia-Pacific region at the moment. There's talk that he's going to come and compete in the Australian Championship next year. So every chance the Bateses won't be winning next year, Brucey. Well, um, it's good for rallying. It's a, it's a fabulous part of our sport and – the more competitive cars and the better the competition, the more exciting it is. And, um, again, I think, you know, rallying just needs to um, find a way to get get its message to more people and out in the public because it's very entertaining, it's exciting, um, but it is hard. But I think the, the rally of Canberra, Peter Norton and his mates um, put on a good event and apparently they had quite a few people there. So good on them. Um, and it just goes to show what happens when you get a – proactive um, event organiser and tells people what's going on around the place. And did I read from the calendar next year it's moving to April, so it's to the start of the year instead of the end of the year? Yeah, Canberra has traditionally run at the beginning of the year, but there's been some changes uh, in recent times and it's more that it's going back to where it belongs rather than it being a major new thing. Unlike things that are happening on Supercast calendar without jumping ahead where some of the races are at times of the year where they shouldn't be. Absolutely. Um, we will get to Supercars in a minute, but, um, oh, Bruce, what do you want now? Well, I just wanted to add, Andrew, um, what a great, you know, they're very proactive, the people organise um, 
the uh, Canberra round of the ARC, very proactive, fed us with lots of information during the weekend, lots of media releases, sent us lots of drop file boxes with access to images and stuff. The rest of the rallying world, you need to take a damn good look at yourself. Go to that place in Luna Park that I've been talking about lately, that room of <laughs> mirrors, and find one that makes you straightens you up a little bit because we are finding it impossible to get information. We have readers who want to know what's going on in the rally world, and I have to say I'm embarrassed for you people, the rally community, just how poor your communication skills are with the media. and. Seriously, you should all be embarrassed, with, except for a handful of, of the organisers. Most of them is quite embarrassing. That's it. There you go. Well, speaking of other things that are slightly embarrassing, um, the cost blow out of the Australian Grand Prix, woof, she's getting big, isn't it? Over $100 million uh, from the government to keep it afloat. Well, it's funny yeah. you should say that, Andrew. We're all getting very, very upset. wasn't that many years ago when it got to like $50 million. So which suddenly could have gone from 50 to snuck up to 60 to 68 to 70 to 75, and all of a sudden it's gone bang, up oh, 100 million. Yeah, okay. Do we really care? I mean, Victoria's uh, Victoria's um, number plate slogan these days should be Victoria State of Bankruptcy anyway, so does $100 million matter? At least they ran an event instead of paying billions not to run the common and worst games. Yes. Oh, Paul, you poor Queenslander. Um, listen, I just wanted to say, here's my – this is the bit I'm confused about and you shouldn't talk and you shouldn't talk, Paul, because this podcast was supposed to be listened to an hour ago and we've waited for you. I won't, We won't mention his name because I don't even want to speak about it, but the fact of the matter is that I'm reliably told that Saturday and Sunday are sellouts at the AGP. Now, if hmm. they're sellouts – and I can't buy a ticket, there's two things. That means there's great demand and the tickets are too cheap. So why don't we put the tickets up by $25 or $50 and, you know, that'll that'll generate a few million dollars and um, then people who really want to go might actually be able to buy a ticket. But I think that's common sense. They'd rather fill the joint up and give the bill to the state government and uh, have it but how can how can you run a business and have a sellout and make that sort of a loss? I mean, I, I, I you know I know how much money comes in and goes out at my place every week, and you know if I'm having a good week, that's great. But uh, so they have a great event, they have a sellout, and they can't turn a profit. Who's the accountant? One of the great things about the Victorian government, uh, PG, is that it can lose money on anything. There's not a thing that it cannot waste money on. So uh, the Grand Prix, that's a small one, 100 million bucks. That's just chicken feed. Regardless of that, it still brings a lot of money into the state of Victoria at the time. And they have 98% bed occupancy on the hotels of Melbourne during that race. So it's bigger than the Australian Open in terms of those sort of things. So it's got its benefits, um, but, you know, it is a big number for the it government to be very paying nice. out. It does showcase the now, city beautifully. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, now this weekend, guys, um, just before we go to our quick break, just give me in, in one sentence what you're looking forward to the most this weekend in Adelaide. Bruce. Um, uh, some quality racing. <laughs> Shane, Van Gis- Shane Van Gisbergen. Yep. Now, as you know, I'm not his hugest, biggest fan, 
but I'm going to savour him being there for the last time. And you can bet that just like Charles Leclerc slamming it down the inside on the last lap, that to me was a Van Gisbergen move. And uh, and uh, I would love to see him taking no prisoners but still with Brody winning the championship. Well, we'll get to all of that in a second because um, it's going to be a wet weekend too. Well, I'll tell you one thing that is worth having a look at while we're there. We haven't got to AC Delco yet because – No, we haven't. But um, one of the things will be that car show that uh, is on this week. With Dave Kindig. <laughs> I'm, that, that's one thing I'll be checking out. Dave's a legend, so I'll be going to check that out. That'll be good. Absolutely. Um, and as you know, I had to chat to him a while back, and he's really looking forward to it. He doesn't really understand about Commodores and Falcons, but he understands about muscle and race cars and all that stuff. And the other thing is he's just a happy bloke. And I forgot to mention, before we go too much further, it is the Velo Adelaide 500 too. It's the Velo Adelaide 500. Let's not forget the people that support the sport, and these people are fantastic supporters. What is Velo? Um, V-Ray, South Australian. They like That's right. <laughs> I'll South- give you a bit of a quick quiz. They're a South Australian organisation. <laughs> They're based in Adelaide. They employ a lot of local people. And um, they make high-technology lighting systems, including, you know, really exotic stuff and LEDs. And I think they might even do big, like, TV event Mm. screens and stuff. But high-tech companies started in Adelaide, started out small, and now they're a big company sponsoring a big big event like uh, the Velo Adelaide 500. And can I just say? Well, imagine if they put in lights for the Melbourne Grand Prix. Well, I was just about to say... And like our very, very good friends at AC Delco, they back winners and, um, you know, they'll be there. They'll be, they'll be AC Delco. I, I reckon if, you, if you're on the scrounge for a good souvenir, see if you can get an AC Delco branded mirror cover off one of SVG or Brock's, uh, Brock's um, um, 888 Camaro because I reckon the mirrors will be splattered around the joint. So that'll be a good little souvenir to grab one at Mark from Melbourne. So, yeah, so that's the go. Keep your eyes out for an AC Delco-sponsored mirror cover off one of the Triple Eight cars. Now, Bruce, we are going to get to AC Delco, but a bit of sad news. We've lost um, probably a legend of the sport in many ways. I mean, he's been around for a long time, Brian Sampson. Um, bit of a bit of a sad loss. Yeah. Um, Brian um, had been around motorsport for a long time. He... Uh, Famously raced with 78 on the side of his car for most of his career. And uh, God damn it, if he wasn't still racing when he got to 78, he was pretty proud of that. But um, Sambo started racing in the early 50s. In fact, uh, as we record this um, podcast today, it's actually the 70th anniversary of the first Australian Grand Prix at Albert Park. And um, Sambo raced in some of those Australian Grand Prix races in the 50s. So he'd been around a long time. He raced in all sorts of MGs and specials and sorts of things like that and famously raced uh, Cheetah um, open-wheeler cars built by his dear friend Brian Cheat. And uh, the two Brian's dominated Formula 2 in in Formula 2 and Formula 3 around Australia for a long time. Um, Brian had a business called Speco Thomas. Many people would have known of that name and the brand that he proudly promoted, which was VHT Paint. So all of us revheads out there, we would have always, first thing we would have done was sprayed some VHT on our headers or exhaust pipes or engines or whatever when we were reconditioning, whatever. And he had um, 
a business called Motor Improvements, which was in the very top end of uh, Nepean Highway, Brighton Road, right in St Kilda there. And that was a, a mecca for machining, for race parts and all that sort of stuff. But what a lot of people may not realise is that um, um, Sambo got chosen by Harry Firth to co-drive with Peter Brock in 1974 in the Holden Dealer Team L34 and those two had a... Um, commanding leading that race in 74 and the engine expired and then um, Brock got sacked from the Holden dealer team and set up a team with um, the Gann Hindarf organisation and um, Peter and uh, Brian Sampson went on to dominate and, in fact, win the 1975 Bathurst 500, a Hardy Ferrado 500 it was back then. And so, you know, Brian was a significant a significant character in the sport Um but a lot of people also know him for his giant killing um, time. And he had a little Celica, which was a very special car. It was a factory-built car supplied to him by Toyota. He had a long-time relationship with Toyota in, in Australia, Australian AMI as it was then, Australian Motor Industries. And he drove factory-backed Corollas in the late 60s for, at Bathurst and various things. But he had a little giant killing Celica that he used to race against the heavyweights like the, the Gagans and the Moffats and the all of those, the Janes and all those sort of people. And, um, yeah, but uh, in later years he kept on racing. He was still racing at Bathurst until the late 90s and uh, still racing in Formula Ford until the early 2000s. And um, But he'd been unwell for the last few years. And, uh, yeah, sadly he passed last Friday. And um, he was a very, very dear friend to me personally and an incredibly – long support of auto action. In fact, he, he, he often grizzled to me that um, Len Shaw that's, and Ian Smith, our famous photographer that first started auto action, that um, he was supposed to be in the first issue and they forgot to ring him back and get his artwork. But basically VHT and Speco Thomas and Motor Improvements had been part of the auto action scene for over 50 years. They were still, ad- still advertising with auto action right up until now. and. Um, I was very, very proud to call Brian a very dear friend and um, it's a sad loss for me. It's a sad loss for his friends and his family and a sad loss for the industry because he helped an awful lot of people over the years. It's a good track record. I mean, he's got three class wins at Bathurst back in the days when we had classes as well as that win with Brock. So uh, pretty good track record. Um, I didn't know him really well. I mean, I, I only started in the sport you know, in the late 80s or mid to late 80s when he was just starting to get the tail end of it. but. Uh, I think he always had time to talk, which was um, all we ever wanted as a young journo breaking into the sport was for people to actually talk to you, and, uh, and yeah. he did that. Yeah, he was a good character. The mobile phone industry will be poorer for as a result of his uh, passing because uh, he did have rather a short fuse, and I can tell you that over the years I did witness him smash a few mobile phones against the wall because his fingers were too fat or he's too dumb to realise it wasn't turned on. I'm not quite sure. But... He was, as I said, he's incredibly supportive. He was quite a funny bastard when he wanted to be. Had the world's best man's handshake. Um, we always appreciated that. Um, as I said, still racing Formula Ford up until probably less than 10 years ago, not much more than that. Had a really bad car accident due to a cocktail of of some medicines that he was on at various different times, and that knocked him around. Um, but he... He bravely fought on. He wasn't. He was determined to keep racing. He's had some amazing cars over the years. Amazing collection of cars. We were. We did a beautiful feature on um, on uh, on uh, Brian and his Mark Six Cheetah that um, 
well, 12 months or so ago in auto action. Um, and as I said, he was um, still racing touring cars. He raced all sorts of stuff, Commodores and Starions, and uh, had an, an crazy collection of historic racing cars. And, um, yeah, he still got the Salika. And um, as I said, he'd been unwell for a little while. Um, I got a phone call and it was – it was it was hard yards. I went and saw him on Friday, and only a few hours later, he passed away. So, um, yeah. So he's, he left a lot of friends, a big legacy. As I said, he supported a lot of people. Craig Lands actually got to drive his Formula Holden in the early days, and you know he's been an incredible part of the sport. Um, and yeah, we 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 um, we just rec- want to recognise that. Uh, his passing and his significant contribution to the sport and his terrific support of auto action over 50 years and personal support to me as well. And, uh, you know, I just wish all his friends, Brendan and Lily and all his girls and all the family all the very best because um, I know he's sadly missed. Yeah. Well, thanks for that, Bruce. We will actually take that break now. Hey, my name's Jared Hughes. I'm racing the AC Delco Toyota 86 in the 2023 TGR 86 series. Hey guys, Aaron Borg, driver of the AC Delco Isuzu D-Max in the Super Ute Series. Hey, I'm Brock Feeney, driving the number 88 Red Bull Ampole Racing Camaro, supported by AC Delco. Hi, Craig Lowndes here. We all trust in AC Delco, and so should you, because certainty starts here. Check out the full range of AC Delco all makes auto parts at acdelco.com.au. Welcome back to the Auto Action Rev Limiter. We're going to have a look at one of my favourite race weekends of the year, the Velo Adelaide 500. Um, if it wasn't for Bathurst, imagine where this race would live in the lexicon of Australian motorsport. It's just a cracking weekend, isn't it, PG? Oh, look, uh, it's party town. So, And the thing about it is not much happens in Adelaide apart from those sort of huggy fest type things. So this is actually a heartland grassroots type event and all the heartland grass grouse, grassroots people come out and they have a ripper of a time. It's also at the end of the year, so everybody's winding up towards the holidays, so they get a bit of an early start. And the track itself, I've raced there. Um, very badly, I might add. But uh, it's a ripper track. It produces lots of action. It's got history. And the other thing is they can all walk home or, as many of them do, walk to the nearest refreshment stand inside or outside the circuit. So everything is well lubricated for the weekend. It's a great track for supercars, isn't it? The way, I mean, the, the staircase when they flip around and do all the changes, I mean, it never fails to deliver a great race, Bruce. No, no, no. It's a, it's a good venue for supercars. They're well contained. There's a bit of high-speed stuff. There's lots of curbs. There's some big braking. There's corners with consequences. I mean, turn eight's still a challenge. It'll be interesting. It'll actually be really interesting to see whether or not um, turn eight has the effect that, um, that it's had previously with these low downforce cars and whether or not you know, another car will be uh, able to follow closely because quite often you see with these cars that – you know, two cars will go into turn eight or and the car running second will take a push right in the middle of the corner because it's lost its downforce and uh, smack the concrete into the next suburb. There's been some big crashes there over the years. But they've also been – but they're also just blokes who flat out make mistakes because it's hot 
and it's stinky and it's horrible. And I can I I've, I was there the year that um, several of the blokes were very very badly affected by fumes and things. Now, obviously, these new cars are a lot better, uh, and they've been a lot better since Shane complained about it quite rightly at the beginning of the year. But fatigue is a huge factor, and that corner has no margin for error. And, uh, well, I can remember Brad Jones pinballing down the road on his roof one year. Can I just yes, say we can that, do that, um, but um, it's not going to be hot, so I'm going to get to 21 degrees. Can I, can I just mm. say, too, in the, uh, in the old days, one of the reasons why this race was so tough on drivers was it was the first race of the year. And quite often these guys weren't race fit. You know, they 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 may have had their little bit of Christmas pudding and whatever over the year. And although it's hot, being race fit is very different to actually being fit. So this this being the first race of the year used to knock people around a bit. So, you know, if it is cooler, these guys are pretty hardened now. They're ready to go. And um, I don't think that'll be an issue for, for too many of these guys. Um, but it yeah. is good track and, yeah. So the weather forecast, 21 on Friday with a 90% chance of rain, 21 on Saturday with an 83% chance of rain, and then 20 on Sunday with a 4% chance of rain. So suits Van Gisbergen. Rain, rain, and then Sunday, go away. So the other thing is going to be the track will be washed clean. Nobody will have a real handle on setup, and there's every chance there'll be blokes working into the blokes and gals working very late to repair banged up cars from the first two days. Can I ask what what's the tyre combination for this event? Is it a soft tyre or a hard tyre? What is it? Um, good question. I'll look up my spreadsheet as we're going. So you keep talking, and I'll look it up. Um, okay, radio. Well, I'll just fill in a little bit of time. Wow, so, he gave you permission to keep talking, Bruce. Yeah, well, he's got no choice. Um, <laughs> it, it'll be interesting. The, um, so let's give the nuts and bolts. What? What did you say? The nuts and bolts of it. We've got a championship up for grabs, and we've got Van Gisbergen and Brody Kostecki, both of whom are good in the rain. Um, is it going to suit Van Gisbergen a little bit more, though? No, not at all. Brody doesn't give a stuff what sort of conditions he's driving the car on. You know, I mean, one of you're the- absolutely right. He, you like Shane, is a racer's racer, but you really got to hope that one of them qualifies out of position for at least one of the two races. You know, because um, if it is raining on, if it rains on Saturday, man, that's a recipe for uh, action, isn't it? <laughs> I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with a few of these guys that have got nothing to race for from the point of view of no championship and no um, no. Points. Oh, I thought you were talking about some of the people moving to other jobs or other places, Brucey. Well, if you hadn't interrupted, Paul, I may have been able to squeeze a couple of those names out. Um, Scotty Pye. Excuse me. Scotty Pye, who will be heading off to Triple Eight. You know, he's had good success there over the years. Charlie's cars. You know they might they might have a good they might snag a good setup. I mean, someone like Scott could could be an interferer. Um, you know, young Brock's going to go out there. He's sort of not too worried about where he is in the championship. Will Brown's got a bit of a point to prove, but I mean, it could be interesting. Look, at the end of the day, that they're both good races. They're both sensible teams. Um, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and let's hope it's a clean fight and none of the dills out there take either one of these two blokes out. Yes. Um, it's 32 Dunlop soft tyres for this weekend and 20 wet tyres, which they'll probably go through by the sound of it. 
Right. Okay, where are we up to on the running sheet? Sorry, viewers. Now, while I'm speaking to viewers, well, you'd be pleased to know this, Andrew and Paul. Mm-hmm. When I was at Charlie's Open Day the other day, I had several people come up and say good day to me and uh, introduce themselves as viewers. So actually, we actually do have some listeners. That's great. <laughs> we're a bit like we're a bit like Dr. Carl, you know, where everybody who calls in is Dr. Whoever they, Dr. Dr. Bill and Dr. George or whatever. Yeah, it's nice. nice to know that we have viewers, and in fact, I I find that quite attract you know quite an attractive part of the podcast. We don't take ourselves too seriously. No, um, and speaking of not taking us too seriously, um, the magazine does take itself seriously. Um, we had a bunch of facts and figures in there last week, Bruce, in last week's edition on how the championship could be won this weekend. So if anybody needs to know and wants to sit down watching the race on Saturday, with the um, they can pull that out. It'll tell you wherever Brody finishes. It'll tell you where Van Gisbergen needs to finish to keep the championship alive on the Sunday. Andrew. Um, but my real question is, oh, go for it. Sorry, Andrew. When you presented all that stuff to me in spreadsheets and documents and words and pretty pictures, my eyes glazed over. Once Caroline had laid it out on the spread, it's very, very informative, and I suggest to everybody out there that you duck out and grab a copy of Auto Action from your news agent or um, – or indeed grab a digital version on uh, online because it's actually really good because it does explain to you where and what what the scenarios are and um, if 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 one finishes so and I don't think I've really seen that anywhere else so uh, it's been good no doubt it'll all get copied. Well, that's because nobody else can do it, Bruce. That's one of the great joys of a magazine, and you can actually sit and spread it out in front of you and go across and do all that stuff, you know. And I'm yes. not even talking like an old man who does the crossword in the paper every day because I don't. I'm not <laughs> no, very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, my biggest question of all, there's only one thing that's sitting in the back of my brain is um, can anyone upstage Van Gisbergen's celebration from last year? Like if Brody Kostecki no. can he beat it? No. Yes. yes, they can. Yes, they can. And – I'm telling you that if you reckon you've seen something pretty spectacular from SVG last year, and let's face it, that was probably the best of all times. I happen to know, I had a little bit of a chat to uh, somebody who happens to reside south of Dandenong, and they've concocted a special brew, a special recipe, and if they win the championship, um, look out. Look out, everybody. It'll be good. And so what I loved about Van Gisbergen's last year was that it was planned. Like they actually sat down and worked out what he was going to do. So it, it's, that's where it shifted the bar. Um, and, and as I say, it was the greatest celebration I've ever seen. So if um, if those boys from South Dandenong can beat that, they're doing bloody well. Um, mm. Well, it is show business. At the end of the day, that part of it, when the racing's finished, then it just becomes showbiz, doesn't it? I mean, one of the great things about MotoGP for the last 20 years, and it was instigated by the doctor, all the crazy antics, you know, people running out with portable toilets and blowing them up and all sorts of crazy cartoon characters and stuff with MotoGP riders. And um, I think maybe we're entering an interesting era of um, supercar silliness. Well, with any sort of luck, Van Gisbergen can at least win the final round so we can see one last celebration from him and then we can see Brody do his celebration and uh, maybe something else as well is what we hear is brewing. So um, it'll be worth watching, I think. Um, 
back to the rest of the field. Is who's going to upset the party? I mean, you've spoken a little bit about um, um, Scott Pye before, but uh, we got the other Adelaide boys over there, the Percat and um, and Todd Hazelwood. So there's you know three South Australians in there. Um, but is anybody likely to get in there and mix it up with these guys, or is it uh, is it between those two, or the Mustangs going to really tell us? If 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 they're able to carry over the form from um, Gold Coast, then you've got to say Cam Waters is going to be up there. I think um, Chaz goes pretty well at um, at uh, Adelaide, and I think if we remember correctly, last year Chaz sort of um, shadowed and basically pressured young uh, Brock Feeney to the finish line. Is that right? Am I correct in thinking that? Chazzy won the race the day before um, for Walkinshaw, and uh, which was they got all excited about because that harked back to um, HRT days. Um, but Chazzy will be good round there. I think there's no doubt that Ford have Ford have got a competitive package, and um, yeah, look, there's plenty of guys out there that'll create some havoc. I mean, they're not the only. They are the two best teams, but I think the next couple of best teams in the in the pit lane are, uh, are Tickford with Cam and um, Chazzy at Walkinshaw and maybe, maybe just maybe um, the boys at um, DJR because um, Will sometimes goes right at Adelaide as well. So, look, it's one of those events where, particularly if it's raining, Anything could happen. It could be anybody's race. It's it's such a great it's it's it, it's one of those places that throws up a lot of unusual results. Absolutely, it does. Um, the farewells, as we said, you mentioned before, Scott Pye, and we've said Todd uh, Todd Hazelwood. Um, Jack Smith's hanging up the Abbey's helmet as well. So, um, uh, what are our thoughts on the three of those guys? So, well, let's start with uh, with um, Todd Hazelwood. Well. I'm, I'm probably disappointed that Todd hasn't got a seat um, with the announcement that Jack Smith's um, retiring. Um, the family who own that licence or that racing, whatever it's called these days, um, they're going to keep race. They're going to keep running. Yeah, they're going to keep running that car. The, the 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 money, the hot waffle seems to be that um, that uh, Zach Best will um, get that right. But who knows? Todd Hazelwood might be back there. Nothing's confirmed at the moment. Um, Jack um, isn't going to say too much. He's decided for a number of reasons that um, he's had enough of supercar racing. And um, I get I get where he's coming from. Been a lot of criticism over the years. I would defy probably 90, 99% of the people that shit canned him over the years to get into one of those cars and get vaguely anywhere near them. So, But he's moved on. And Scotty Pye, well, he's going to Triple Eight. So Scotty Pye could end up, if he stays there for four or five years, if he can keep his hand in, in something, he could end up with three or four Bathurst wins under his belt. You never know. Yes, it's a good place to go if you want to win Bathurst, isn't it? Um, uh, they win them. They win them. Um, yeah, Zach Best, so we're pretty confident he's going to BJR or is Todd Hazelwood still a chance? Well, who knows? Todd's an easy guy to deal with. He's got a few little backers. It's a bit hard to know, but um, Zach Best's family are happy to throw money at around, so I, I would think that, you know, there's there's probably they're, – they're the two, I would think, two of the likely candidates, but who knows? Um, it's a crazy old world. You don't know what's going to happen. And similar parts of the countryside, aren't they? The bests are been out from Benalla, aren't they? So uh, kind of yeah. up that way a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they would know each other, and they probably 
been dealing with each other for a while. So look, yes. You know, All right, now, been- Brucey, tell me what's going to happen in Super Two and Super Three on the weekend. Um, exact best leading the um, the Super Two championship and looks fairly comfortable, but um, anything can happen, can't it? Well, Zach's driving the um, Anderson-owned DJR Mustang. It's a pretty competitive car. It's one of their best cars, and I think he would he would have to do something wrong not to win the championship. It's a title he's been chasing for a while, and um, you know that sort of stands to reason that if he wins that, then you know he he sh- probably should be um, in the main game, and that sort of comes back to maybe there should be a relegation thing if somebody's good enough to win Super Three and Super Two, then maybe they should get a start in the in the main game. But um, so look, there'll be a, it'll it'll be a hotly contested weekend. Um, unfortunately, there'll end up being some big crashes because some of these kids are out to make names for themselves, and um, it's a fairly unforgiving track. But then you've got the battle in. Um, Super two in Super three between um, a couple of young chargers. Cam McLeod is um, driving a Nissan, and uh, there's a lot expected of him to do to do a good job. And um, yeah, the racing will be good. There'll be lots of lots of carnage, and yeah, good support event. Yeah, and so Zach Best goes into the cha- into the final round with a thirty point lead. So it's not insurmountable. Kai, Kai Allen is um, running second. Uh, Ryan Wood's probably out of it. He's um yeah back in uh, well, two hundred and fifty points away. So it's a head to head battle between Best and Allen. So uh, we'll look forward to watching that one play out over the weekend. And of course, Ryan McLeod probably would have been well and truly in that if they hadn't run out of fuel at Sandown in the Super Three. Uh, Ryan uh, Ryan wouldn't have been any good. He hasn't raced for about twenty years. Oh, sorry, years, Cameron. Cam would have been all right. What's interesting about the first three kids in the Super in the Super Two is that. There's a fair chance that Best is going to be there. Um, Young Wood will be at Walkinshaw, and Kai Allen is a shoe-in to um, be the next new driver at DJR. So those three kids will all end up in the main game, racing each other in the next couple of years. And then you've got um, the Super 3 field. I'm not sure about the points there. Andrew, how close is that? Uh, it's miles away. Job Stewart on fourteen twenty eight, Jet Johnson on twelve thirty six, and Cam McLeod on eleven forty nine. So, Job Stewart's going to need some serious trouble to miss out on that one. Yeah, Job. Funnily enough, is another Mount Gambier kid. He's um, as is Kai Allen. So, um, there must be something in the blue water over there. Maybe they've been drinking the water out of the volcano. These kids because they go all right, <laughs> but um, Job's well and truly entrenched in the Erebus camp and. Um, you know, he should win that Super 3 championship, but where he goes after that, um, I assume he'll stay within the Erebus program. But as I said, um, you know, Cameron McLeod is somebody that um, a lot of people have taken note of, notice of this year. He's a name, I think we've talked about him, We're, we've been huge fans of Cameron. The three of us have been fans of Cam for a long time and um, he's re- driven everything this year from production cars and GT4 cars in you know, in um, in the Middle East and old supercars and sports sedans and you name it, he's driven it and he's won in everything. So he's almost he's almost been like Thomas Randall, hasn't he? He was he was in everything there for a while. Yeah, yeah. So he's got six wins out of the ten round races so far this year, and Job Stewart's won the other four. So yeah, only two um, guys have won in Super Three, which is interesting. Yeah, and he ran out famously ran out of petrol on the last lap in one of the races at Sandown. So look, Super Two is an indicator to the future. Super Two, Super Three is an indicator to the future. So let's um, 
Let's keep our eyes on all of those guys. There will be some big announcements made in the next week and um, this is one of those occasions where we're not going to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's just quickly touch on the calendar for a second. Um, Tasmania, it's um, we've spoken about it last week and PJ's already mentioned it today. Why the hell are we running that in August? Why don't we swap it with Perth and do August for April and run them around? Because Perth in August is not quite as savage as Launceston in in, in August. I've got a theory, Andrew and Paul. I've got a theory. I've got a theory. It only came to me this day. Um, it's obviously about merchandise sales. These people make all these nice heavyweight fluffy jackets and and hats and and um, and all that sort of stuff. And by having these meetings in the middle of winter means they're going to be able to sell lots and lots more fluffy jackets and beanies and gloves and long pants and yeah, that's what it's all about. It's because everyone's going to freeze their nuts off if they if they haven't got the fluffy. Fluffy, uh, fluffy jackets and all the rest of the stuff. So it's just another opportunity to sell more merch. Well, it's very, very cynical, but very correct, Bruce. <laughs> very clever of supercars to think that far ahead. I think. Well, oh, I've got it, to remember, it might not be supercars. The teams would be pushing for that. Oh, <laughs> uh, can I just say that our dear friend Barry, um, Barry oh, from Barry, is Barry from Burnie or is he Barry from Launceston? No, he's Barry from Launceston. Barry from Launceston. We know a lot of Barrys here at the uh, Rev Limited podcast. We've got Barry from uh, Blue Mountains and Barry from South Dandenong and Barry from Launceston. Barry uh, actually <laughs> penned an opinion piece that made the front page of the uh, Launceston Examiner last week and um, the, uh, they're not happy down there. They're not happy at all based on the fact that Tasmanian government tips in apparently about one5 for the event to show up, and it's based on generating lots of, you know, overnight stays and bedroom sale stays and and so on and so forth. And uh, yeah, they're not happy. The troops are uh, rather revolting. Yeah, I must admit it's a very curious decision that one. I um, I still don't understand it. And uh... remember, remember in the past though that there have been times when uh, when circuits have been given a hospital pass on the date, and then uh, and then the following year it fell off the calendar because nobody went. Yeah. Yep, and it's, they've done this before. They've buried rounds in the middle of somewhere where they don't want them um, to get rid of them. I mean, they did it with Winton. They stuck that in the middle of the year so they made sure there was not not very nice weather. So I'm hoping that it's not an underhanded plot by supercars to just get rid of Simmons planes. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Um, well, it's the, um, what is after Sandown, it's the second most um, frequent, frequent circuit in the series. So uh, dreadful to lose that sort of history. Um, yep. Anything else we want to talk about supercars, guys, or are we going to move on? We could open the uh, we could open the box and talk about what's going to happen in in the USA, but then we'll have nothing to talk about for the next few weeks. So yeah, no, we'll, we'll let that one stew for a little while. Yeah, so we'll leave a nice aroma simmering around it, and then yeah, dip yeah. right in. No, that's a next week task. That's a next week task. Um, yeah, I think I think the first question though is to ask. Uh, Teddy, whether he's going to be flying up the pointy end of the aeroplane or uh, back in uh, Teamland. In the I think <laughs> yeah. I've got a suspicion that if if Tim's not going to start supposedly officially till January, and I reckon he'll be on the bomber because they'll insist, and he'll be turning around saying, "Well, yeah, we'll come." But uh, Trudy needs. Uh, we both need to see up the very pointy end of the plane in the fluffy seats. And uh, Trudy needs some money yep. to go and spend in the uh, the local mall for three or four days, so she doesn't kill me. I have been I have been to the, uh, that part of the world, and there are some very nice malls around. 
Yes. <laughs> One way to put it. Um, yes. All right. So, yes, they will, I think he'll be going as well because even if he goes as a representative of one of the teams, he'll be, he can still go because I think they're uh, sending over some for uh, representing some Ford and Chevrolet teams as well. So I would expect him to be there. Uh, let's get on to Formula One. And the um, it's a bit sad when you get amused by Max Verstappen singing at the end of a race, isn't it? Well, it was the second time he's done it. It wasn't just the first time. And I've got to say, as a as a songstress, songster, whatever it's, songbird, he makes an excellent Formula One driver. <laughs> I have never heard a worse rendition of Viva Las Vegas. But the good thing was... Donny Osmond, Donny Osmond, who's got to be older than all of us combined, actually did a good job on the American National Anthem after a season where we've had some execrable, completely <laughs> uh, just wrong, wrong, wrong performances of various national anthems. And I'm thinking about Silverstone first. <laughs> I'm like, you know, when they said Donny Osmond was singing the national anthem, <laughs> I wanted to come to the Wikipedia and see if he was actually really alive or whether, yeah, 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 yeah. whether it was going to be a hologram. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember when I was a kid, so, geez, and I'm oh, that was, No, 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 that was you Did just me. used to watch Marie. It was called the Donnie Marie Show. Can we drag ourselves back to the Grand Prix, please? <laughs> back to the racing? Yeah. We can, yes. I thought it was a cracking race. Um, the lead-in was a bit stuttered, obviously, the problem with Carlos Sainz's car on the Thursday and the 4 a.m. practice session, all those things. I think the team, the, the telecast carried on about that way too much because at the end of the day, they just get out of bed when they get out of bed. It doesn't matter whether you're doing it at 4 a.m. or 4 p.m. You know, you just get out of bed at the right time. So I'm not sure that was a big issue that they were carrying on about. It's it was because, more of an issue you know why? It's exactly what we talk about, Andrew. They... Those people also talk about we did this and we did that yes. because they think they're part of the inside show. And, and did not. They, mm, and did mm, they all look mm. like a bunch of wankers too in their glittery clothes and their their cheap suits <laughs> that they must have hired for the day and you know all the rest of the crap? Come on, guys. Let, let, let's just get back to it. It's a it's a car race after all. But. Um, <laughs> Max, Max pretty much summed it up when he said it was 99% show and a 1% race, but uh, as it turned out, it was a good race. Um, I think uh, they seriously need to look at some of the mechanicals and the, the rules and regulations around what's going on in Formula 1. The fact that Carlos got penalised, despite the fact that he was nearly killed by a piece of cast iron that got ripped out of the ground in front of him, and, and a you know, a multi multi million dollar car got basically destroyed because of some incompetence. Thrown in the bin, Bruce. Thrown mm. in the bin. It wrecked the batteries. It wrecked the chassis. It wrecked the tub. It wrecked the the uh, transmission and the engine. And um, then, for just because of the fact that that happened to them, they got a ten grid penalty. I mean, what a disgusting thing! And I have to say, praise the Lord, Fred gave it to them, and he didn't stop. You know, every time they said, "Oh." Hey, are you going, Fred? I don't want to talk to you. You want to answer that question? Go away. I don't want to talk to you. I've made my point. Um, it was almost like it was almost like I do my talking on the track, wasn't it? Yeah, and Carlos had the shit Shane too. Van and, and rightly so. They should have been absolutely disgusted. Um, and Alpine also had an issue as well. They, they both of those teams did a really good job to recover, and they both had strong finishes in the end. But um, I mean, look. It looked on paper in the first few practice sessions it was going to be dead boring. I mean, but the racing was entertaining. It went out there and dive-bombed everybody. He had hard tyres from the start of the race and uh, 
drove like an absolute demon. It's just that they put hard tyres on him in his second pit stop. Yeah, pretty stupid mistake, I thought. But well, yeah. I think they were probably banking on another safety car. But getting back to my rant about uh, penalties, so the Clogwog dive bombs um, Charlie going into the into the um, into turn, turn one. one. He never even made the corner himself. His his outside wheels were over the white line, and eventually, after about twenty five beers and half an hour later, the stewards, including one of our own local blokes, decides to give Max a five second penalty, which he served during a pit stop. Which, if I'm not mistaken was served during uh, either a virtual or behind a safety car. They might as well have just given him a little pat on the back and kiss on the cheek and said, it's all right, mate, you do what you like. Those penalties have, should be absolutely only be allowed to be served during green flag racing laps or added to the end of the race. None of this bullshit, oh, you're going to get five seconds, you can serve it at the next pit stop if you feel like it. That is out of crap. They should be ashamed of themselves, those people. <laughs> Yeah, the penalties are certainly very weak. I mean, he, he should have at least been made to sit, go back behind Leclerc on the track. But not that it no, no, no. If they, if look, hang on, you've got to remember how smart that kid is. If they'd made him go back behind him, he would have given it up right before the DRS detection zone and passed him back on the next straight. So, yes, I agree, it was a crappy outcome, but it wasn't as crappy as making him give it back because he would have lost it straight away again. At least there was a little bit of tension. But what's wrong with the drive-through? Yeah, especially yeah. with the speed limit they have in Formula One pits these days, that would have made it a little bit interesting. Mm. Uh, but that's one of those situations where they want to be seen to be giving Max a penalty without really giving it to him. I mean, you know, if it, it, anyway, it is. What yeah, it is. well, five second penalty is not much at all. I mean, could have really. Yeah. Been... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we talked about it. we've spoken about the penalties before that they all seem a bit soft for what they what the problems are. But uh, but yeah, I, say, I thought the race was really good. I thought Oscar's drive was just was stellar. Um, and um, yeah, I really enjoyed. Oh, it. oh are you you like the way you work that in? Yeah, it's it's mentioning it? Andrea Stella no, no. after getting the uh, team manager's name wrong last time. No, no that, that was me. Oh, I knew somebody had. I got the first bit right. Yes. I got it wrong at the start of the year. I've, I've, anyway, I corrected myself after the start of the year. We're rambling. We're rambling. Let's pull this together. Come on. We are rambling because we actually don't need to really talk about too much else unless you really want to talk any more no, Formula One. No, we all good. We can get. We can go off and and have fun. We can go off and have fun because um, we've got to get ready for Adelaide, um, which I think uh, I'm really looking forward to it, the final round. Uh, we always like that. It's uh, What is it? Thomas said it's the first time since 2019 the championship's been alive going into the final round. So uh, it might be unlikely, but it's still possible, isn't it? And no, remember, not- if anybody can make it possible, Shane can. And, look, I I think it is exciting that we've got a championship going into the, to the last round. And all I'd like to say is that um, they're two, either one of them, I think they're both worthy champions. I'm going to put, you know, put my hand up and say I'm really excited and hopeful that uh, Brody and um, Erebus can win the championship. I think it'll be good for the sport. And, um, but it won't be for a lack of effort on uh, Shane's part. And maybe if Shane wins the last race and Brody wins the, the race on, um, wins a race on Saturday and uh, the, the championships decide and then Shane can just go out and free ball it. Yes. Well, I think it requires Brody to not finish on Saturday to keep the championship alive. So and, uh, I don't think we want to see a We don't, we don't want to see that. No. Apart from anything else, we'd rather the champion stayed in Australia next year. <laughs> exactly. So give me your tips for the weekend, Bruce. Who is going to win each race? 
That's a very good question. I'm thinking, Brodicus, um, sorry, I think that um, Brock Feeney and Cam Waters are going to win a race each. And I think that um, that uh, um, I said Brock, didn't I? Brock Feeney and Cam Waters. I think that um, yes. Shane, yep. Shane yep. and Brody will be right in there, and either one of them could win because they are they have been the fastest drivers all year, and they've got the best cars. So don't be surprised if either or both of them win races on the weekend. There's two races to fight out, and I think that Chazzy. And who knows, I think it's possible. I mean, I'm throwing the dices in the air here, but don't be surprised if we see some wacko result, particularly if it rains on Saturday. I'm just looking forward to a good race. Excellent. PG, your tips? Uh, I'm thinking Shane will win one race and Cam will win the other race, and that's not just because I'm thinking, that's because that's what I'm hoping will happen. I think we need, yeah, I think it'll be. The other thing is, when you think about it, this is the end of the beginning but also the beginning of the next phase. So I would like to see something that gets us all a little bit excited about what the prospect is for next year as well. Absolutely. Well, I'm thinking that Van Gisbergen is going to win both races. So I think the wet track on Saturday is going to suit him to a T. But- yeah, Brucey, here's your chance to get your twenty bucks back. But no, Brody no, can no, pick no. him will win the championship. Look, I, I'm not. I think that SVG will go all out. He hasn't really got anything to lose. It's a win or bust situation. He can't sit back and hope that that Brody has a failure or whatever. He's got to win both the races to get the points, and that's what he'll do. And I think that Triple Eight are the sort of team that'll go out there and 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 roll the dice and throw everything at it. Um, but it's one of those race meetings that, you know, you can be leading the race, you can be 20 seconds up the road and some dickhead goes uh, goes and sticks it in the concrete at turn eight, bounces across the road and next thing you've got a wheel in your driver's door or something like that. So it's one of those places where, you know, expect the unexpected. Absolutely. So as I said, I think two Van Gisbergen wins and Brody Kostecki's the champion and I also think Erebus will take out the team's championship. Not that it'll matter because we have confirmed the floating pit lane order for next year. So uh, yeah, all that effort that they've done to get the main spot. Yeah, give them, a, give them a whack to finish off the podcast, Bruce. I'm <laughs> whacking tonight. I'm tired. Beautiful. All right. Well, that's it for us. Um, everybody stay tuned and, and watch Auto Action website over the weekend for regular updates dates um if we're all three in town on a saturday night we might even do a podcast if we feel like it but uh we absolutely may. don't commit to it yet yeah there's lots of great information uh in the latest issue of the magazine so grab one online or digital we've also got our um event preview guides which are really good too you can download those on the website so they've got all the current point scores and all the little bit of information about the track so Lots of info. Our friends at Ryco Filters bring that to us. So, yeah, it's good. And don't forget that our website carries more information on everything that's going on in every class and every category than any other website there. So if you really want to know what's going on, AutoAction is the only real place to find it. So thanks for your time tonight, Bruce. Thank I'll you. See you over yeah. there. And we hopefully we'll see you there too. Yes, I'm definitely wanting to be there. Excellent. Cool. Lovely. Well, until next week. That was the Auto Action Rev Limiter. We'd love you to subscribe and like our podcast and leave some comments. You never know when we're giving something away or we'll use your thoughts to guide the show. And don't forget to get your copy of Auto Action, the digital version. It's out every second Wednesday night and the print version is available on Thursday wherever you buy your magazines. Thanks for listening.
and thanks for understanding.